Welcome to the Be Ruthless Show, where we have the conversations that other people don't, the conversations that other people won't. I'm your host, Sam Ruth, and I'm ready to make a lot of noise and disrupt things ruthlessly. Thanks for being here today. Now let's get to it. Welcome back to the Be Ruthless Show. I'm your host, Sam Ruth, and joining me today is Rachel Poffenroth. She's an expert on how to become irresistibly magnetic to your goals and dreams. Because you don't attract what you want in life, you attract what you believe about yourself. Rachel went from business growth consultant to athletic performance coach. After two and a half decades of studying and becoming certified in Eastern medicine, medical intuition, past life regression therapy, and quantum mechanics, she educates the public on YouTube and mentors her following with weekly Instagram live Q&A sessions as she demystifies the woo-woo laws of the universe with simple tools and practical steps to help people create the life of their dreams while they still have life left. She's on a mission to reinvent mental health ideologies with uncommon knowledge as she lovingly guides her clients to reconnect to the truth of who they are so they can fully enjoy the human experience. I love so much about that. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Uh, I was asking you before we started to record, and I will just go in that same direction, how you became so passionate about mental health and helping others with everything you've learned. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting journey, as life always is. And I've always told my kids that the greater the challenge, it usually is an indicator of a greater calling. And that's helped us to get through some really tough times. Um, we have gone through what I would say is probably one of the worst crap storms that most people have gone through where it has affected absolutely every area of my life. Um, it affected my finances where I was completely locked out of my bank account. So I went from having, you know, $170,000 in the bank to not being able to touch it. My health fell apart to the point where I wasn't, didn't matter what I did whether it was acupuncture or anything like that, I just could not gain control. I was trapped inside of a body that didn't want to work. And on top of that, uh, the company that I had been working for was being investigated by Alberta Securities Commission. And so I was on the hook because I was president of that company and there was a lot of um, underhanded stuff that was going on. So I was five months pregnant, going through all of that, having a body that's not working. And it was just absolutely insane. Um, and, and then because I was a sucker for punishment, I guess I attracted a relationship that was not healthy and not supportive. And it was, you know, it was his own fears um, coming up and that was his control, his control mechanisms to help th create things as normal for him. But in his way of doing it, it was very demeaning and hurtful and painful. And I genuinely believe that everybody, you know, is always doing the best that they can. But in those moments of pain, I was not able to separate myself from the intense feelings of overwhelm um, that I was going through. And so there was three distinct times where he would be, you know, talking to me. And I just thought, this is enough. My, I really genuinely believed that my kids were better off being raised by somebody else because I felt like absolutely every area of my life, I was failing. If you can go from, you know, having your life, what looks like it's perfectly put together of being president of a financial company 
and then finding out all the underhanded stuff. And it just, every time I turned around, it seemed like I was being hit with something else. And I didn't know if I could keep fighting it. And so for the, my two kids that I had already, um, I genuinely believe that they're going to be better looked after, after by somebody else, which I gave my brother actual guardianship because I had gone that far down the road of I need out and this is going to be better for everybody else um, and so the last time was um, I actually had a noose around my neck and the crazy part about that is that you go into an absolute bliss state right before you're going to pass but I have found a way in my life to have that bliss state all the time now but it went through a tremendous amount of healing and I kept wondering what's wrong with me what am I missing what am I not doing right because I've, I've always wanted to try and please people please and play by the rules and you know do everything by the book because that's what I was taught with a very highly religious upbringing that there was a right and there was a wrong way but once I started realizing how much power my upbringing had over me I really started to just kind of push the envelope a little bit to explore what was on the other side of that. And it's interesting to me because every person is brought up with what their parents teach them is the moral code. And the interesting part is that it's really based in what their parents believe is safe and unsafe. Just like if you watch, you know, a mother cat who goes out and teaches the kittens how to you know, find a bird or find a mouse or use a litter box or all that kind of stuff. They're also teaching them what is safe and unsafe. And so we get programmed as to this is safe and this is unsafe. And whatever we feel is unsafe about ourselves, we reject it, we abandon it, we hide it, and we don't allow others to see it. But what is the most powerful thing is when we start to recollect and align with these missing pieces that we've been stashing all over the place and not letting the people who, you know, are our tribe, letting them see it. And our tribes can be anything from, you know, the family that you're in, your relationships, your workplace, anything like that. But if we feel that some part of us is unsafe, part of you is missing. And that was the most powerful thing when I started going, okay, part of me is missing here and part of me is missing here and part of me is missing here and when you have yourself back you actually feel so whole and so free and so powerful again so much of that I agree with and can relate to and I think everyone listening has been at a point where it just feels like one thing after another and it doesn't let up I don't think the majority of the world is taught to find the lesson in the situation or how to learn and grow from it until we hit a terrible point of pain. And I think you and I are trying to help people avoid that point and, and recognize. Um, so it is very woo-woo to, to many <laughs> listening. And it was to me. Yeah. Was it to you before or have you always been a little bit on the spiritual woo-woo side? I've always had an interest in it, but I was inundated with the Christian philosophy. I went through um, 18 years of Christian schooling, and then I was, you know, it was pounded into our heads that, you know, you go to church and you obey the Ten Commandments and all that kind of stuff. And I have realized because, well, I have a life path number 11. 
and which is a master number and then also my Sagittarius so I'm a truth digger and I will look for what is the truth if something doesn't feel like it's quite right for me so as I was brought up with my dad who he was a single dad he did the best again that he could but again it was another thing of just play by the rules right and so I was very afraid to step outside of his box of rules but once I started doing some research for myself as to um, the truth about how the Bible was actually created and original Torah and Hebrew and that kind of stuff and translating it I started to notice that some of it has been created for um, reasons of oppression suppression and a lot of that happened in 1914 so when are in the 1400s so when I dug into that it was like a light bulb went on I went oh my goodness I have been believing you know regurgitated lies that have been passed down from one generation to the next to the next and they haven't questioned it they continue just to live things as status quo but we're moving into such a new and exciting energy where people are starting to challenge things and if it doesn't fit for them they're starting to look at why it doesn't fit and get into that and that is so exciting so there's a lot of people that are heading in the same way that you and I are heading in where it's just like this doesn't actually make sense so what is the truth for me and so with all of my clients, I really coach them into what is the truth for you? What, if that doesn't sound right, if that doesn't resonate for you, don't accept it because that's somebody else's map. And that's what they've used to live their life. But we're all here to create our own maps. What about taking it a step further to what doesn't feel right? Yeah. I feel like I could go back my entire life and tell you situations where I had a funny feeling but other people had a different outlook or set of rules, like you're saying. And so I discounted myself, listened to my world. 100%. So we're not taught, we're not taught to listen to our body. And I think that's the biggest set of clues. 100%. I actually call it um, the pin the tail on the donkey disorientation phase, which I think is absolutely a horrendous game. If you step back and actually look at it, that we're putting you know, I blindfold on somebody and then we're giving them something pokey, like they're going to, you know, spin around and they can hurt themselves or somebody else. But at the same time, that's what our first seven years of our childhood is like. We come into this world knowing just how amazing and magnificent and complete we are. Like when you're a baby and you got a dirty diaper, you're not like, oh, don't touch me. You know, I'm, I kind of stink or I'm too fat. I got too many rolls. You're just like, ah, you know, how happy and smiley and just full of love because you know, that you're deserving but the disconnect comes in those first seven years where we're in that theta state which is you know a hypnotic state and I'm certified in hypnotic past life regression and that's the state that we put people in to help them to become more flexible and malleable in their thinking and this is the same state that we're in for the first seven years of our life and so we just accept what these people who are our gods those are our first gods because they're the ones who provide for us so there's no way that we could comprehend that they could be wrong they're bigger they're smarter they're faster they're stronger of course they know what they're talking about compared to us and so we reduce what we feel so they'll tell us do this and you're like mm, not quite but we get conditioned into not believing our internal guidance system. And the internal guidance system is the freedom to absolutely anything, I feel. And once you really start to re-engage with that and realign with it, 
man, the ideas and the intuition and the way that life opens up to you is absolutely amazing. It is a absolute game changer for me. Me too. I would have something happen. A flight would get canceled or, you know, something big that people yeah. would understand. And I would think of all the things I was missing, you know, I can't go on this. And now I'm like, the universe didn't want me to, to go. Like, there's a reason I'm, I'm not doing that. People don't know where to start. If, if this conversation feels right and they're going, oh my God, I'm not crazy. If they don't have our background or the tools, where does an average person start to say, okay, I, I, I want to learn this. Yeah, absolutely. I think, well, my journey came from the first thing that I really learned that changed uh, the way that I relate to the world was understanding that the world literally does mirror everything. And there was a time that I didn't want to accept that, right? It's like a dog looking at itself in the mirror. It's going to sit there and bark because it doesn't want that to be its reflection. And so we're not really taught to take that responsibility. Um, and to, to be able to look at the world as it is and to go, okay, what does this mean for me? And it can show up as it can be a symbols um, because sometimes our, that's all of our brain can comprehend. And that's why we see symbols in dreams. Um, it can be as, as symbols or in relationships. But for me, it's always a pattern of three. And like I said, everybody has to make their own map. I can talk from my experience and this might give clues for everybody, but everybody has to create their own map. So we do live in a world that does mirror us. That is the way that the universe works, but that is created for you so that it can get your attention. So whether it shows up in your health, your relationships, whatever it seems that's not working, it can even be something as simple as a flat tire. Like you said, you know, you can be sitting in traffic or whatever. It's always a reflection back to you. Maybe it's saying, you need to take a little time. Maybe you need a breather. Maybe you need um, to just quiet yourself because it's always in stillness that we receive, right? Um, maybe it's trying to get your attention and that's what, you know, aches and pains and sickness and that kind of stuff is. As a medical intuitive, I'm certified to be able to look at somebody's, you know, their shoulder, their left shoulder is hurting or disconnected. What does that mean? And so I can see things holistically and I understand that most people can't, but if they start seeing, okay, I see a trend here where I keep choosing this kind of person. What does that mean for me? And what I tell my clients to ask themselves is, what kind of person would attract that kind of person? So then you start looking at it from that perspective is, who would I have to be to continue attracting that? Who would I, what would I have to believe to continue being in a job where I'm not getting paid what I am worth? Who would I have to be to continue or what would I have to believe about myself to continue self-sacrificing day after day and not even getting any appreciation from the people that I live with? And so once they start asking themselves that question, what would I have to believe about myself? It's kind of a wake-up call. And then you start going, I really believe some stuff that's not true about me. And you slowly start peeling those layers back and going, there is so much more to this. And so another thing that um, I'm really clear on teaching 
my clients is the difference between self-worth and self-wealth. Because so self-worth is based on a comparison. It's a judgment against something else. Any, any worth is, right? If you go to a store and something's on sale, you're in your judgment mind and you're going, is it worth it? Is it not worth it? Worth is based on a perspective or a comparison of judgment. But wealth, when I come from the finance background, what I'm talking about is when you invest in yourself in a way that can pay dividends, whether that is um, allowing yourself, giving yourself permission, like this is a big thing from our childhood. Most of us we're not given permission to be ourselves, let alone do anything that was outside of the box of what the parents thought was safe and unsafe. And so when we give ourselves permission to go paint or sing or dance or take that class that you've been thinking about or go hunting or hiking or camping or whatever it is, sometimes we just need to get away. But whatever it is that lights you up, those things pay dividends. And it pays dividends in a couple of ways because one, you start showing up for yourself in a way that you want other people to show up for you. And if you can't do that, it's really unfair to expect others to be showing up for you. So it comes from you first. And this is where this mirror thing comes in. And so as we can show up for ourselves, then the world then can reflect that back to us. It goes, oh, you think you're a priority. Okay, well, we're going to start valuing you more. And that's what wealth is about is continuing to give yourself permission to invest in yourself in a way that can pay dividends. I love that. You said earlier, something about taking the time, pausing, taking the space. And I think that's another thing that the world not only doesn't teach us, it teaches us the opposite. Yes. And so for me, I had to wait until I was in a place of pain and I slowed down and I was able to listen. How do people make that shift in this world that judges time off, <laughs> all of these things and and if you're a go-go type of person it seemed it seemed foreign to me yes yeah I was exactly the same way I was such a go-getter and every industry that I was involved in whether it was the financial world or you know I grew up on a farm so I I'm used to farm work I still go home and help out with that I started a roofing company so I'm still in the mails I was in the mails world and it, that was again my upbringing and it was because I was taught that if I'm not doing, then the value isn't there. My value is based on what I can get done in a day. And so my list would be so ridiculously long every day. Um, and in a way that was to, for me to justify my existence, right? I was trying to find some kind of validation. I would, was waiting for somebody to say, yeah, good job, you did it or whatever. And to the point where people actually called me Rachel the Rocket because they knew that I could get stuff done. Um, but it came, that was part of the health crisis and everything else when the world started imploding. And as hard as that was, it was like my metamorphosis where I had to absolutely break down into those imaginal cells, like a caterpillar goes into the imaginal cells in its cocoon is absolutely broken down to pure mush. And then it gets to re-put itself back together and reconnect and become this beautiful butterfly. But in stillness, it is so hard to get into that, especially because we have 
um, we're trained to check our social media 50 times a day. We don't want to miss anything like that. Or, or we're constantly have a radio on or something like that. But first thing every single morning, that is my time before everybody else gets up. I'm still in bed and I will connect to the person who I want to be that day. So it will be connecting to me feeling like I am valued, me feeling like I am important, not, not because I can do or achieve, because I, I can do those things, but that's not what brings me my value. So when I talk with this about, um, with my clients, I explain it in three stages. So we have the be, do, and have stage. And most people go out into the world trying to get, 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 and that's your have stage. But these things already exist. And that's why people believe in lack because they see what exists. And so they believe that if they take something, then that means they're taking it from somebody else because you're in the having stage where there seems to be a limited amount of things. The next stage, and that's a really dense stage. That's like, if you were to think of it like um, an iceberg, it is really hard and you're going to sit there and chip away at it, which is why life feels like such a struggle if you're just going after getting the house, getting the car, you know, achieving, 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 um, just so you can attain things. But if you move up one level into the doing stage, which is where you and I were talking about, right? We do all these things to try and get the labels and get the check marks and the accolades and all those great things. They're good. But if it doesn't come, if it's coming from a place where you're trying to prove something, it's not a fit for you. So you're trying to prove that, hey, I can fit in your little square box over here. Or I can fit into your triangle or I can fit into this. And that's great if you can do it. But if you're doing it just to please people to get that validation, that's coming from the wrong motivation. So that is when I talk about the doing stage, I'm, there's still a, an amount of limitation there. It's not as limited as the having stage, but the limits is if you think of um, a river, it still has banks. It's still dependent on what's on the outside of that container. So you're not free to go wherever you want. But when you focus on the being state, which is the highest state, think of that like, um, clouds or steam it can go anywhere it doesn't have any confines and from that place then you can create absolutely anything because you're not stuck dealing with icebergs you're not stuck in a stream with with um, banks on either side of it now you're in this being state where you can float in any direction that you want and so that's where I encourage people to start is in that being state where they can they can think about who is it that I'd like to be and what would that person believe about themselves? What about my belief system is going to, you know, not be in congruency with that right now? And how can I get myself into that state? So again, it's coming back to what would that person do if I wanted to be, I don't know, say I wanted to be a well-known speaker on stage, what would that person have to do? They probably would have to become visible. There probably would have to be a path. And that's when you start making that map that's for you. So you go, here I am. I want to be that person. What would I have to believe about myself? What would I let go of? What would not be important to me? What would I value? What would I prioritize? And you start really 
picking apart the things that maybe don't quite fit. And you're going to start noticing that a lot of those things that don't fit are things that you have been taught that somebody else has said. They tried to overlay their map on you and say, this is the best way to live. It's, you know, go out and get a degree and have 2.4 kids and stay married, even if you're not happy and, you know, those kinds of things. And so I really encourage my people um, to make their own map and to find what resonates with them because we were taught to feel what is somebody else's version of right and wrong. And so that's in your head, but you can also activate your heart and your heart is a much stronger and much truer guidance system. And by listening to the heart, it will take you to places and on paths that you never expected, but are way more fulfilling and fun and adventurous and powerful. And will get you there so much faster. Our brain it only knows how to go in circles because it can only relate to what is from the past experiences. And so if we're constantly listening to our logical brain that says, well, don't do that. You're just going to keep on going in loops, which is why we keep getting, you know, same relationships, same jobs, same experiences. And that's, well, that was my world too, where I just kept on doing. And finally I was like, enough, I need something different here. Old Sam is laughing at <laughs> the concept of, being silent or turning your brain off like that. I didn't know how to do that. Meditation, yoga. I think there are people listening who are like, that doesn't work. How do you get still? Mm -hmm. And I had to learn that there's no right answer. It's different for everyone. But I think it there is. are people who don't know what we're talking about, who are instantly going up, woo woo. So how do they start? Where do they, I, to prevent waiting until they're in this place of pain? Yes. What can they look for now to catch themselves going back to the brain and away from the heart? Right. So for, well, especially, we just actually just did this last night with my daughter. Um, we bought a new horse and he's got a little bit more jam than what my girls are used to as far as riding horses, but we're trying to get their confidence up. And so we got the youngest one, who's usually the most adventurous, we got her on the horse because she's seen, she's seen this horse buck. Right. And so every, he's just, he's new, he's fresh. Um, but he hasn't been had enough experience to ride. So we're just leading him around and getting him used to the routine of just taking things slow because he just like us, right. He just wants to get out there and just go, go, go. And we're trying to get him into a more calm state. And so there's lots of times where even with him where we're leading and we just stop he has to stop and we make him stop for a full breath. And that for me seemed like an eternity when I was, I would put reminders on my phone to stop and breathe. And so we did the same thing with my daughter where we got her on there. And I asked her just to close her eyes and just to feel the sensations the sensation of being on the horse, just letting herself be kind of like jello as I'm leading him around. And then I asked her just to listen to the other sounds that were there. There was, we're in the arena. And so you could hear the heater kicking on and off, or you could hear the fans that were on. And as she was able to tune into that, then no longer was she distracted by these thoughts that I call you know, our worldly or earthly obsessions and distractions, you know, things like labels and achievements and those kinds of things. And once you can allow yourself 
to get into that place. But for most of us, we don't feel it's safe to go there because we're so used to being told, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And as soon as there's silence, there must be something wrong, right? Even with our kids, we know that the kids are quiet. Something's not right. <laughs> so it's the same for us, right? We go into these places where it's almost like a panic mode. And that's why I encourage people to start with the breath, because no matter what your body continues to breathe, it is the one thing that's always there so that you don't need, you know, an app that's going to help you to meditate, or you don't need to listen to something specific that's going to get you into that calm state. If you can honestly just take three deep breaths once an hour, and I had to do this because I had been in such hyper arousal and trauma um, reflex because of so many things that had happened. So I had to put the reminder on my phone of, okay, this is time to breathe. And so I would, I would just close my eyes wherever I was, unless I was driving, of course, and just take those three deep breaths. And that alone is so incredibly powerful because it allows your nervous system to start to feel safe, just having nothing, having no list in that moment. You're just, your to-do is just connect to your breath. And that can be, um, that can, you can do that in a grocery store. You can do it, you know, when you're out in nature or whatever. And in those three deep breaths, I was able to start hearing other things. I was able to start noticing other things that just could not come in because I was always so distracted. And another thing for me that I was always so distracted about was, my food, I had battled because of the way that my mom was with food. I had battled food for a long time. And I went through a whole anorexic state and then into bulimia state. And, and when you do that, you're doing it because food is, the only, is a kind of a control mechanism. And it's the only part of your life that you feel you can control. And so um, when I realized I can control my breath, then no longer did I need to obsess about my food intake. And just, just doing that, it's shown that, you know, your stress levels drop, you're able to start looking around, seeing things, you're, you can notice the sunshine all of a sudden that maybe you didn't notice because your head's in your phone or something, or you're, I can be out in the most glorious day and still be up in my head and not notice anything. But when I stop and take those deep breaths, all of a sudden I'm hyper aware of everything that's around me and I can go, oh, okay. It's like a reset. So what do I want to do next? And, and I so love that because I work with people on breathing, but it's usually with anxiety or, you know, it's, it's a mechanism to calm down or get back to, but setting an alarm and doing it three times a day when you're not in, in, in a crisis state. Yes. That's amazing. I, and you can do it anywhere unless you're driving. I love that. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's, it's, the thing is it takes us, there's a 2190 habit rule. So it takes you 21 times of doing something before it becomes a habit. And it takes you 90 days of doing it before it becomes a way of life. So it seems like it's kind of far off in our little world where we're, you know, used to throwing something in a microwave and a minute and a half later, it comes out nice and piping hot, but it's such a pin drop in our life of how much time we actually have to invest in this and the freedom. This is one of those things that massively pays dividends and the freedom that it gives you. So many of us, like we, we work 
for freedom, right? We work so that we can go away on the holiday so we can have that time freedom. We do this so that we can feel free. It's like everything is always engaging in something to get freedom. It's like, we think it's a mathematical equation of A plus B equals C, but really that freedom is always there. No matter what happens to you, what kind of relationship you're in, no matter where you're at. I mean, we could be in war and you're still always going to have breath. And that if you've programmed yourself to come back to that as your safe zone, you've also programmed yourself that you are your safe zone and that somebody outside of you or something outside of you is not your crutch or your safe zone anymore. And that is empowering. And while it might take 21 days and 90 days, people listening might think this is woo woo, but I'm sure you've heard it or said it. Things start to show up right away. They do. Yeah, they totally do. That's so funny that you say that because um, my one of the craziest things um, with my fiance and I this last, I'd say the last few months, he quit working at a job that he hated. He had been with it for 13 years and he absolutely hated it. It was shift work. It did not fit into anything that lit him up. There was nothing about it that excited him. He did it because it was safe and because it was routine and because he felt like he had to pay for all these expenses and didn't, could not, could not imagine what his life would be like outside of that safe zone. And that's, that safety factor is so important. We can't create change without safety. And I remember when we first started working through this and I was like, well, can you imagine a different life? And he's like, yeah, I can imagine it, but I don't know how to get there. And we always have to go through this free fall state that but we always get caught. But that in-between free fall where you feel like you've just disconnected from the parachute and you're just like flying through the air and you're like, I don't know when I'm going to get caught. This doesn't seem to be working up. But the cool part was as soon as he made that decision that that didn't fit with him anymore and he was going to go into something that lit him up, like he really loves taxidermy. So he's and he has wanted to take a taxidermy course for 17 years or so. So he finally got into the course. He registered for it. And he hadn't even finished the course. And people were already coming to him and saying, hey, I've got this that's been sitting in my freezer forever. Do you mind doing this? And do you mind doing this? And do you mind doing this? And he's so busy right now. He's working like 12 to 14 hours a day, trying to keep up with all of the demand. And it's not because taxidermy is in such high demand. It's because he started showing up for himself, which then the world was able to go, hey, we're going to mirror this back to you and we're going to show up for you. And I think a lot of people listening are the same way especially if you've always had a plan and then you go into that unknown, it feels like an entirely different part of yourself, but the rewards do happen quickly. And it's, it's just giving yourself that permission to say, I'm not happy here. I don't know what's next, but I know I'm worth it. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Um, there was about six years ago, we decided to plant, um, a garden, which was totally a conflict for us because we had a roofing company. And so it was the wrongest time of year. Plus we're in a windy belt and it was super drought area in the summer where it got, you know, plus five, 35 degree weather day after day after day. But we thought this would be a really good idea to plant a garden. So we thought, you know, for the kids, that's good experience for them. So we're planting this garden and 
we're watering it like crazy. Like we did all the things we rototilled it, we put on topsoil and, you know, fertilized it and watered it like crazy day after day. And it was absolutely insane because nothing really seemed to be growing. So we're like, all right, we need more water. You know, we're just trying to do more and more and more. And that's how we kind of go through life is we're like, oh, it's not working. We need more. Let's put on more layers. Right. And so we finally um, get to the point where it's just like, hey, nothing's really growing here. Let's just dig up what's there. And so we realized that the only thing that's actually going to survive in our clay soil that we had was uh, stuff that was underground. So we pulled it up and, you know, we're all excited to have this great dinner. We've got steaks and we're going to have fresh baby carrots and, and potatoes. And we pull out the carrots and they're like not bigger than my pinky finger. And so that was super disappointing. And we're like, okay, there's still potatoes, right? Potatoes grow no matter what. So we dig out these potatoes and the kids are so excited. Like they're in there picking out these little golden gems and there are many potatoes. So everybody loves many potatoes. We go in, we wash them up and um, I boiled them and, you know, we're having them with the steaks. And of course we abandoned the carrots. So we just have a salad with it. Um, and so we're sit down to eat my daughter, my oldest daughter, she's a carb lover and she digs into potatoes because that's her number one favorite thing. And she took a bite, just looks at me. And I was like, oh, man, what's wrong here? Takes a second bite. And she's like, still food in her mouth. She's like, mom, what is wrong with these things? And I like took a bite of it. What I failed to notice was that they, our garden was surrounded by pine trees that were two foot tall or as tall as our two foot store our two-story house right so these are behemoth pine needle shedding monsters and they keep dropping these needles on the garden and I didn't even think to that that was going to affect it um, I thought that the acid neutralizer would work but what I tell people when I'm sharing this story is that it doesn't matter all this extra stuff that you do, like the amount of water and the fertilizer and all the time that I put into it, it honestly would have been cheaper if I could have just flown those, the little bit of sustenance that we did get from the garden, it would have been cheaper to fly it from Dubai. Like it was hardly anything as far as what resulted, but what resulted was piney potatoes. It had that essence of pine in it. And it doesn't matter what you go out and you try and do in the world. It is always going to have that flavor of what is inside of you. So you can go out and you can try and give love or get attraction from, you know, somebody or go into a new dating experience. But if you haven't dealt with what's underneath, it is always going to have that flavor or that essence. And so I always ask people, what flavor are your potatoes? You know, I love like, this. I'm using your story. I'm, I'll say it's not mine. People will know. They'll be like, you garden, <laughs> or you cook. No, but that's an amazing analogy and everybody can get it. Yeah, it was, it was such an eye opener. Like when I, when I was going through it, I was like, what is wrong with this? And I was like, oh yeah, there's a lesson here, right? Back to that. There's always a lesson. So what can I learn from this? Yeah, it's that no matter what, we always carry that flavor with us. And so what flavor do I want to bring out in the world? Well, if I want a little bit more sweetness, if I feel like the world needs to be a little sweeter to me, then maybe I need to be a little sweeter to me first. And that's where it starts from, because everything comes from inside. Like we are the seed and then it flourishes out from us. So 
you know, you can't, and this is the problem. People think that they're, you know, an oak tree, but they're frustrated because they're not popping out strawberries. Well, you're an oak tree, right? You're not made to do that. So be you, just be you and be the best version of you. But you have to allow yourself that space to become you, which is again, back to giving yourself permission. It is so important. And for me, that was such a big thing because I thought that the only way that my dad or my mom or my grandparents or like we were a very tight family would be proud of me was if I would do the things like be a farmer's wife or that kind of stuff. But I'm way too wild and crazy for being just a farmer's wife. Like I have way too much energy for that. And, you know, and now I look at it and I think, man, for so long, I was imprisoned by this to the point where I was ready to check out because I was so unhappy being their version of me. It was an absolute misfit in every possible way. And now that I give my permission, myself permission to do those things, I feel so much freer. I am finally that butterfly. And um, one another thing that I, I share with people is you're not one thing. There isn't one thing that's going to light you up. It's like a rainbow. There's there's seven colors. It's not just a rainbow. There's seven colors. And then there's so many multifaceted dimensions of the colors in between those main seven colors. And we are all of those things. And you have to let yourself experience all of those things, not just one thing. I love running. I'm an ultra marathon runner, but I'm not just an ultra marathon runner. And I'm not just a mom. And I'm not just an auntie or a sister or any of those things. I am those, yes, and I do do those roles well, but more than that, I am also somebody who cares so much about other people that I'm willing to take the time and spend time with them, you know, like I am caring, I am generous, I am these things, this is who I am, all these other labels that I play the role well in is just one of those extensions of me, and just like anything else that we do in our lives, your jobs, your relationship, all of that is an extension of you, but you are that rainbow. And so we give ourselves permission to explore all the different colors of ourselves of that rainbow, because limiting yourself in any way is what's going to create that bondage feeling. And that's where your limitations are sitting in. But as soon as you allow yourself to experience, oh, today I'm going to be pink and I'm going to be this, or today I'm going to be more blue or whatever, right? Whatever it is for you. I really encourage people to write out seven different, just like the rainbow, seven different aspects that are totally different of themselves. Like I can be a meditator. I can also be an ultra marathoner. I can also be, you know, a hard working on the roof kind of person. I have all of that in me and it doesn't all sync up together perfectly, but it does when I look at it as these are different colors of me as the rainbow. How do people connect with you and learn more? Um, the easiest way is on my website at rachelpoffineroff.com which is kind of hard to spell. So it says R-A-C-H-A-E-L P-O-F-F-E-N-R-O-T-H.com. That's the easiest way. And then also on Instagram, I do weekly uh, live Q and A's every Tuesday. We all get together and I'll answer a couple of questions live right now. We're doing um, 
a whole series about how to stop judging yourself, which is so prevalent in our society. And we're going through some really deep layers of why we do this, how it's instinctual to do this. And, and so we're giving ourselves permission to allow that aspect of ourselves to be there, but at the same time, understanding that there's a, new, a better, a higher evolved version of us. There's a favorite version of you sitting out there waiting to be explored. And so let's go find that. Is, is your Instagram, same thing, Rachel Poffinroth, same yep. spelling. I'll put yep. all that in the show notes so everyone can connect and learn more. Perfect. And any final thoughts for everyone listening? My final thought is pretty much the theme of what I teach everybody that your the amount that you value yourself is the amount that the world will value you. And as you increase your self-worth your self-wealth and you increase that um the time that you will put into yourself whether it's first thing in the morning or putting those reminders on your phone to breathe all of those things are things that do pay dividends and i encourage everybody to find one thing even if it's just for 10 or 15 minutes a day to find that time because you deserve it and that will exponentially multiply in your world and you will see it reflected back to you. So if you don't like your circumstances, don't go out and try and change everybody else. Look at what is in you and have you taken that time for you today before you start expecting other people to show up for you in a different way. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing your time and your story uh, with us today and everyone, Rachel Poffinroth, dot com and yep. on Instagram and you are worth it until next time always be ruthless thanks so much for listening today your support means everything to me truly if this podcast resonates with you please do me a favor and join in the ruthless movement by making some noise and doing one of these four things subscribe so you don't miss an episode tell a friend so we can break stigmas even faster Leave a review so people can see what you think of the show. And last, if you want to learn more about me and be a part of the Grief Hub community, please head on over to the Facebook group. We'd love to have you. Thanks again for spending your time with us and see you next week.